First post game, 45 to nothing. Georgia won. The real question that we all have to ask, how long did you make it in that heat? In the first game of the 2018 season, the Dogs established themselves as a dominant force, early and often en route to a 45-0 defeat of overmatched Austin P. There are many storylines which could be written about the 500-plus yards of total offense. You had the multiple Georgia freshmen and transfers making a quick impact on both sides of the ball and special teams. And then the new look and feel of Sanford Stadium. But as Will plainly stated in the opening, truth be told, all anyone who was there will really remember about the dogs playing the governors will be the intense heat that caused the majority of the Sanford crowd to quickly melt and exit shortly after halftime. Hey there, my name is Scott Duvall, and you are listening to episode 144 of the Waiting Since Last Saturday podcast. This is our Georgia versus Austin P recap, or post-game show, if you will. And for those of you new to our podcast this year, a little insight to how our in-season format works. The pre-game shows are recorded live in our studio with the three of us together. The post-game shows are recorded via Skype on Sundays and sometimes have a bit more audio bumbles because of internet and cell phone issues. Pre-game productions typically go over 60 minutes or so, and the post-game episodes usually run about 15 to 20 minutes. But as always, we appreciate you listening and hope you let your fellow UGA friends know about our show. So with that being said, let's jump on into the episode. Here's Will to get us started. That is the first football game I have ever been to. And one of the first I can remember it happening outside of uh, Pop Warner or uh, high school football where they said, yeah, let's just do 10 minutes in the fourth. This is miserable. How long did you make it during one of the hottest football games I've ever been to? I'm strictly on the record. You stay for ball games. We made it to halftime. It was uh, it's easily the hottest game I've been to, except for the Ole Miss game a couple of years ago. Easily the hottest game I'd ever been to at a Georgia game. And what convinced me was when I went out to get water, there was a constant stream of the EMTs running people out on stretchers. And I'm like, this is stupid. There's no need to do this. Yeah, I had the same kind of experience. In fact, I was wondering maybe Kirby in his pregame speech said, guys, let's go out and give it our all for 55 minutes today. And because <laughs> of the time, that's maybe, maybe that's what caused it. No, I told everybody on my social media, anybody that would listen, uh, I told people after the game that was hands down the hottest football game, one of the hottest experiences I've ever experienced in my life. I remember, I think it was like 2007 at Tennessee, even though that was October, that was super hot, but this took the cake. I feel terrible for the people that were falling out. We had a guy right in front of us, just, you know, just, just fall out. The, the EMTs, like Tony said, they were earning all of the respect from me. They were everywhere. They seemed to do a pretty good job. Um, I feel bad for my dad because he drove up with my niece and my nephew for one of their first Georgia experiences. And I saw him about 15 minutes into the game and he was just shaking his head like, Scott, I got to go. <laughs> and I was like, be careful, you know, take off. And if you notice when, I mean, I got home probably sim- similar to y'all before the game ended, I turned it on. It was the fourth quarter and I've never seen Sanford so empty before in my life. 
Yeah, it was it was a lot. I felt bad of all the games for the first Silver Dogs <laughs> to have a game. It's 105 <laughs> yeah. degrees. It really was brutal. We went with uh, my wife's uh, sister and her family were in town, so we took them. Uh, and, and where are they from? They live in Buffalo, but the Ooh, but her, is... but my but my brother in law is a Florida grad, so he he I I gave for the record he's asked whether he should wear a Florida hat or not, and uh, I said I've been to Wrigley Field and wear a Cardinals hat when the Cubs are not playing. So as long as you're not ostentatious or obnoxious about it, it'll be fine. And he, like everyone else, was way too hot to be ostentatious or, or <laughs> awful about anything. It was just a brutal game all around. Um, so we also made it to halftime and then came back and watched the second half and saw that that the that the I think 11 year old coach, I think their coach is 11. Uh, their coach said, "Yeah, yeah. please, let's let's run it all the way through." I love that idea, Scott. The idea, like, hey guys, let's go out there and play a full 55 today, straight 55. That's a <laughs> funny idea uh is there anything that you could take from this game just kind of the way the circumstances were it was so hot and so and the opponent was so just very kind of from the get-go being like okay this is we're just happy to be here we're on espn right now and it really kind of felt like a, a vanilla game plan both on offense and defense just it really felt business-like let's just get this over with and get this done before anybody gets hurt I have to assume Will Healy asked uh, Kirby Smart, hey, we're still getting the full game check, right? Right, yeah. Um, yeah. That's but, true. They take 5% uh, off. I think everybody should take 5% yeah, no, off. No, I don't. Yeah, please, let's not do that. So, I, you know, the, the biggest takeaway I had is, I, I look, I, I've seen a lot of fawning over Fields, and he was absolutely the dynamic quarterback that we expected to see. And, Will, keeping up with your kind of your question the other day, Tron and had almost an equal number of snaps. I saw a, a snap count there. Prater Hudson got a couple of, of, yes, of carries. Yes. So. Um, but, you know, I, I will say that it's not hard to see the dyna- dynamicism that Fields has, first off. Second off, it's also not hard to see why Jake Fromm is still the starting quarterback, just the way he sees the field, the way he handled the offense. A lot of people will point at the stats and say, well, you know, Fields was 7 of 8. But those 7 or 8 was like what we saw out of Fromm that first game last year. And, you know, they were they were a lot – there were a couple times where he – took off and ran after the first option was not there, which again, is just what you get out of fields. Um, so overall, you know, the other takeaway is we played 27 people that did not play in the game last year, <laughs> 27. That's the kind of turnover that is over time will actually benefit this program more because they got real game minutes. And yes, that's the, that's part of the four year. I mean, the four game redshirt thing, but also I think you, can expect some of those players to get significant playing time later in the season too. Yeah. A couple of observations for me. I mean, it's widely known that was the first opening game shutout since 2003. And coincidentally, that was at Clemson, another brutally hot game. I would rank that in my top five. Also uh, when Georgia won 30 to nothing uh, in 2003, but um, total yards were 508, very balanced with 224 rushing and 284 passing. Um, one of the interesting things I looked up, uh, started, I, I guess I kind of think like this. I was like, okay, so Austin P had 61 yards passing and 91 yards rushing. Georgia gave up 23 more passing yards to Austin P than they did to Georgia tech last year. And last year also in the other shutout, Tennessee had 142 total yards. So Austin P got 10 more yards than Tennessee did last year. I thought that was a kind of an interesting stat. Also, 11 different receivers. There were a couple receiver names on the list that I didn't even recognize. And um, final observation, I thought it was really cool to see that DeAndre Walker made his very first ever start. I mean, come to think about how 
much he contributed last year. And now as a senior, he made his first start. So uh, I think there's uh, good things to come from him as well. Speaking of the receivers, Demetrius Robertson's one touch, a 72-yard touchdown. I'd actually, uh, Bill Connolly was actually, our old pal Bill Connolly was talking about how he actually wasn't the most efficient player uh, at Cal, that uh, he sometimes had the big playability, but was not always, uh, it was almost like, I think you compare him to Carmelo Anthony, the idea that can score a lot, but not necessarily efficient. I feel like a 72-yard touchdown run on the one time he touches the ball is pretty efficient. Um, if he gets 10 touches and 720 yards in the season, I'll take that. Yeah, I think so. I think so. I think that, uh, but he hasn't caught the ball yet, so you know we'll see. To me, the, you know, this is a game where you just want no one to get hurt, and no one did get hurt. However, if there was one pure boneheaded yeesh play of the game that will actually have an after effect, it was Cook. It was that really, really dumb play at the end of the game where he missed a pretty obvious. Uh, pretty obvious fair catch call, particularly now. It, it's weird because it's a stupid play anyway. Even if you miss, even if you didn't see the fair catch, you have to assume he probably called it. No one else is around you. It's late in the game. It's 194 degrees. There's no reason to do that hit. And now he's gone for the first half of next week's game. I'm glad there were no injuries. My first thought after that happened, and I had a second to process why it had happened, I thought, Somebody's going to ask Kirby about running backs on the punt return team again, <laughs> or the punt coverage team again. Um, you know, and, and Kirby obviously was not happy about that. But he was right. The guy did call a fair catch really early, but you're the gunner. You have to pay that. That is what you have to pay attention to. That is the most important thing you can do beyond get loose from your guy. And it was a clear targeting, even if it, even if he had not seen and just taken a 15 yard penalty for roughing the receiver. It was as textbook a targeting as you can see. He launched, he bled with his head, he hit the head. It's a shame because, you know, against South Carolina, having Cook's ability to, to break, um, and he, he looked pretty good at times uh, with the ball in his hands, probably, it probably won't be great. Well, fortunately, George will be up like 24 nothing at halftime, so it won't matter, mm. right? So we'll have to worry uh, uh, about that. Oh, my gosh. If that happens, I'm going to be unbearable. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, well, we, yeah, we have a whole future podcast uh, to do a preview. I'm curious, a few, uh, anything more specific people want to get into about the game? Because I have some kind of thoughts about the game day atmosphere and some of that, other than the fact that it was 195 degrees. Any other game stuff people want to hit? Yeah, I'd like to mention Jake Carmada. I think that's how you pronounce his name. I was just thinking the same thing, yeah. (laughs) He had three punts for a 55-yard average with a long of 63. And, you know, we were, I don't know, it was maybe two or three podcasts ago, we were kind of wringing our hands about Cameron Nizelak no longer being there. And, you know, so far, I'll take Jake Camarada, if that's how you pronounce his name and his punting skills. And also, Rodrigo is 100% on touchbacks. Oh, my gosh, I'm just, oh, I got horse yelling my favorite play. (laughs) <laughs> and I left at halftime. <laughs> <laughs> I have to say, I maybe this this is a good transition to the game day idea. I love the fact that like, I don't think other than maybe from. Nobody gets a bigger ovation on this team than Rodrigo. I mean, people, I mean, like, oh, Rod- hear it in pregame. Oh, it's awesome. It's so awesome, man. Like, and it, again, it's so funny to think that just two years ago, even a year and a half ago, it was like, man, his dad's kind of becoming a pest. What's the problem? <laughs> and now to see, like, forget folk hero. Like, he would have been a folk hero anyway, but now he's a folk hero who's also the best kicker in, in, in football. So usually when you're, Place kicker is one of the most popular players on the team. You're bad. <laughs> as someone, yeah, that's a hallmark of a three and eight. <laughs> yes, as, as someone that watched a lot of really bad Phoenix slash Arizona Cardinals team, where only only the only, <laughs> the only guy that anyone was talking about was the kicker. Uh, I, uh, the the lesser 
uh, the lesser uh, of the uh, grammaticas. Uh, it's kind of nice oh, yeah. to see uh, to see someone good on that kind of idea. Uh, I just don't don't pull anything celebrating a field goal. Um, obviously, it was really hot. I thought the scoreboard looked great. I will say it was a little surprising to me. There was not more of a hey, we won the SEC championship last year. Like, I thought maybe maybe they're waiting for an SEC, this SEC opener for that, or maybe they're not. But they have I, to be. Yeah, because I, I, it did feel, I figured there would be some sort of, we are the defending 2018 SEC champions, so there'd be a thing about it. But yeah, maybe maybe they're waiting for the SEC game. The overall atmosphere, I, you know, talking about tailgating, it was cool. There was there was a big crowd there early. Um, we, you know, on a personal note, we ended up with some cool tailgaters beside us, mm-hmm. uh, which I was very psyched about. I pulled up at seven o'clock, and there were tables at ten out there. It's like, who's already setting up? And now I saw them rolling tables out of the Coliseum, and I I don't know if I texted y'all or whatever. My first thought was. Oh my gosh, the men's basketball team's tailgate beside us. And that's exactly what happened. Coach Cream was out there. He was hosting recruits. The team was out there. It, you know, good on Coach Cream because there are, there are a lot of reasons why you can, can quibble about Mark Fox's tenure. But the one that always seemed weird to me is that he was not great about getting out among people and the direct contrast to that. And oftentimes teams do hire the opposite of their former coach. And Tom Cream is as opposite when it comes to that as, as you can be. Yeah, he was taking pictures and smiling and shaking hands and kissing babies. Well, he wasn't kissing any babies. But, uh, you know, the funny thing is I saw him twice yesterday, once at the tailgate. And the second time I saw him was probably about halfway through the third quarter as my wife and kids and me were we were making our way back to our car when we park at Will's house. And we were somewhere on South Campus and off in the distance. I just see Tom Crean just walking towards the stadium by himself, just unfettered completely <laughs> with a smile on his face. And I kind of put a hand up. I was like, what's up coach. And he pointed at me and kept on walking. You gotta love that guy. <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> yeah. He was, he was great. And yeah, uh, I think they're going to be here there all year. So I think that'll be kind of fun. Yeah, and, uh, absolutely. And, and uh, as I will say, um, I, I put a picture up of, because uh, he posts for a picture with William, my son, and put, I put a picture up on Instagram, and I've gotten mostly yelled at by Illini fans <laughs> for, for yep, putting whatever. up who, who still That's have fine. sore feelings about Tom Crean, but I think I've made my peace uh, with all of that. Uh, but on the whole, I really don't think there's a lot to take away. I mean, again, nobody got hurt. To me, the major takeaways are fields getting more snaps, frankly, than I anticipated. We'll see if that's the case uh, in South Carolina. But it does feel, even around college football, this feels, I'm curious you guys' thoughts on this, it feels like one of the sleepier opening weekends so far. It doesn't feel like there weren't, like the Auburn-Washington game was obviously a big game and it was a close game, but it didn't feel like monumental. It didn't feel particularly tight. It wasn't particularly well played. And I think Maybe Texas, when the, when the biggest story is Texas losing to Maryland, which was also the biggest story last year in the mm-hmm. opening game, uh, it felt like a little bit of a warm up. We'll see what happens. We're taping this before LSU Miami, but, uh, it felt like a little bit of a warm up week, kinda for everybody. And so let's just hope, uh, it's, it's not so hot in a couple of weeks because that was, that, I'm glad you guys feel that way because, you know, I had people from Buffalo with me. <laughs> So they were yeah, not prepared no, for was, this at all. And so I, I'm glad you guys, because I was like, guys, it's really, it's always hot here. 
it's not usually this. So I felt uh, I, I'm I'm pleased to know that you guys think it was just as bad. I'm glad you mentioned some national stuff. Uh, some of the observations I had was uh, Penn State's struggle with Appalachian State. And I don't know, you can find it online, but Jim Franklin references how good Appalachian State was in his postgame. And he mentions what they did to Michigan and how they played it close with Tennessee. And then he threw in Georgia from last year. And people were kind of uh, retweeting that saying, like, did he watch the game? You know, they beat them with a with a backup or a freshman quarterback. So I thought that was funny. And then um, you're right. It was a little bit sleepy. I tried to watch Notre Dame, Michigan. It just never felt compelling. And then the Saban comments to Maria Taylor, I thought he was way out of line. I just want to go on the record saying that I was watching it with my wife and she said, hey, rewind that because I kind of missed it. She was like, rewind that. I was like, what? She was like, listen to what he said. And I rewound it and I she she was kind of ticked off about how he treated her. But yet, if you watch Maria Taylor, proud Georgia grad, uh, I think she does an amazing job. She handled it beautifully. She did one of the best jobs out there on how she could handle that and did not take any of his intimidation. I would expect to see a Saban apology either publicly or privately to her coming sometime this week. Yeah, I, I thought that was a bit much, too. Uh, I thought he was a real jerk to her. I do think it's weird, by the way, that I will say, forgive me, put my journalist head on. I think it's a little weird that someone that works at ESPN as an impartial uh, observer gets to be on the pregame fight video for Georgia. I feel like that's <laughs> maybe kind of weird. I will confess. I like Maria Taylor. We all like Maria Taylor. That struck me as a little bit strange that the end of the national reporter for the Alabama game that night goes on and says, go dogs, attack the day. It's like, eh. If I, if I were covering, if I were a, a college football reporter covering Illinois nationally, I feel like it would be weird to have me on a pregame. I don't know. It's just on the hype video. It's just, but that's me being pedantic, I suppose. Speaking of Appalachian State and Georgia, did we see who won at Kansas yesterday? Nickel State. Nickel State wow. won. Nickel State won at Kansas. And I actually was just stupidly caught the end of that game. And it, 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 for, obviously it's Kansas. And Kansas is one of those few schools that's a little bit worse than Illinois. But uh, it's obviously bad when they lose. But it was this great interview with one of the coaching staff after the game. He said, we've been tasting this victory since we came close against Georgia. Mm. <laughs> and I was like, and you forget that, like, for us, that was the, oh, my God, what a nightmare game. But for Nickel State, that was a, oh, yeah, we're going to get our scalp. And so it turned out their scalp turned out to be Kansas. Okay, that's probably enough. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I guess once Tony get, dropped off, I guess. Yes, once we, once we get to Kansas, I think we're probably done. So we're going to be taping uh, Tuesday night. To do the pregame yes. show against South Carolina, we'll be taping Tuesday night. So uh, we'll, we'll splice in a Tony Go Dogs. <laughs> there um, we go. And um, otherwise, uh, Scott, I'll talk to you. Uh, talk to you next week. Go Dogs. Go Dogs. Sounds good, Will. And thanks so much for listening. We'll be back sometime Wednesday with our big Georgia versus South Carolina preview episode. So if you're an iPhone user, jump on over to your Apple Podcast app and subscribe, rate, and review our show there. You'll be notified when a new episode is live if you subscribe. Maybe you're an Android kind of guy or gal, then SoundCloud is a great option there. Feel free to tweet us your comments or questions on Twitter at WSLS Podcast, and we also still have some merchandise left. Yes, we have a few waiting since last Saturday t-shirts still there. I think we have larges and extra larges in the shop. But if you use offer code SWIFT, For the next 48 hours, you'll get free shipping on those shirts. And thank you to everyone who has purchased one already. And that'll do it for the post-game episode. Great win by Georgia, 45-0. I know you, as well as the three of us, are looking forward to Saturday when they hit the road and travel to Williams-Brice to play the Gamecocks on CBS at 3.30. Maybe with a little bit of trepidation, but we'll discuss that on Wednesday. And we'll see you on campus in a couple of weeks. And as always, 
Go dogs.